Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hey everyone, welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast. This is episode 91. So a couple of weeks ago on episode 89, I did part one of how to capture your kid's attention. So now we're on to part two, and this is going to probably give you more practical suggestions. I mean, I think I had some in the last one, but we'll, we'll go that way with more of the science and how our brains work. But first, just a couple of things going on in the Building Heroes world. So we just finished up our grand opening of this digital store. Actually, it allows me to give digital and print options, which is awesome that I've been wanting to do that for a long time now. And I've been having fun adding some new products too that I've just been sitting on for a while too. And so it's been good. And so many of you love the $5 Fridays uh, so much that you're going to watch want to watch out for those because I want to keep doing those. And I do have a great new product for you that you can get this Friday for $5. So watch out for that one. Okay. So according to the study done by Microsoft, the average human being now has an attention span of like eight seconds. <laughs> and this, this study was actually done probably, I don't know, five, 10 years ago. It was probably less than that, but in 2000, the average attention span was 12 seconds. So that was a big decrease. And eight seconds is actually less than the attention span of a goldfish, which is like nine seconds. So like, what's going on, right? Well, this study probably is more for marketing purposes. So, you know, commercials and stuff, people don't usually necessarily want to watch them quite as long. Luckily, you know, our attention span for learning and other things is probably a little longer than that. But the trend is the same. Our attention spans are going down. And um, so hopefully we'll keep your attention on this podcast as we talk about how to capture your kids' attention, right? So the first thing is we want to look at our brains, how our brains work, right? There are certain things that help information stick into our brains more. So in our brains, we store knowledge and other information in our brains, right? So our brains are kind of like big storage units. The problem is, is that a lot of times in education, we get a little too focused on just filling up all these storage rooms in our brains with knowledge. And the sometimes it's really hard to access this knowledge because maybe like we're going down to the local storage unit and we're just putting all this knowledge in all these different bins, sticking them into the unit, and then we're never gonna find them again, right? So it is good to have a lot of knowledge because it's in your brain somewhere, right? But it doesn't really serve us as well as it could. What we really need is to make connections with that information. So if we're just dumping it all in these bins, sticking it in the storage unit, and then just, you know, shutting the door and then moving on to the next one where we're putting more knowledge in, it's just not very useful because it isn't connected to anything. We don't know where to find it. We'd have to go clean out all those storage units to find that information. 
So the number one thing to capture our students' attention is really to help make the information relevant. If they can make a connection to themselves or to the world around them or, or something there, then it's relevant and you're going to be a lot more likely to remember it. So even just last night, I was talking to a friend who teaches teenagers and she was saying, yeah, I think my lesson went pretty well, but at the end, you know, one of the kids said, yeah, I just don't really see how this applies to me. And then she said, yeah, I got to make this more relevant. <laughs> and sometimes that might be tricky. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's relevant, but we can try to do that as much as possible. Okay. So learning knowledge for knowledge's sake, oh, that's nice and all, but we don't want to make that the focus. We don't want to learn it just because somebody said we should learn it. We want to learn it because it makes sense and it, it, it's going to help us in our life, right? And so students, they're really just going to learn at whatever level they're on and whatever level they can connect with the information, okay? Now, the next one is, is to use stories, okay? Stories stick in your brain. You remember stories because they have more connections in there. In fact, our brains are wired to learn from stories. This is how we think. Our brains actually make up stories to explain the world around us. Our brains are making up the stories to make information relevant. And this is what's so interesting about the ancient people. You know, they made up all these myths and other stories to explain all the natural phenomena. But that's what they were doing is they're making up stories so that they could understand what was going on around them. They're making up the stories so they could have connections and relevance to the world around them. Okay. And that's the beautiful thing is like, we get to choose what stories we make up, right? Just because a story is in our brain doesn't mean we have it's true. <laughs> I hope we can change it. So as human beings, we need to not only tell stories and let our kids tell stories, um, but sometimes we've got to notice what stories we're telling or thinking and reframe them. And sometimes we can create good stories, okay? Um. So I think, too, this is often why many of us hated history in high school or junior high or whenever is because they took all the stories out. <laughs> so then memorizing all these dates, names and places made it so that that information wasn't very relevant. There were no connections. And when we tell stories about the people and the information, that makes it relevant because we have stories, too. So we can connect with those people in history. So that's one reason why. Building Heroes is totally focused on, it, it's all history-based, but story-based with that as well. Now, one thing with stories, though, is we don't want to ruin the story by telling the student or the kids the moral of the story. <laughs> when you point out the lesson, that kind of ruins it for them, right? Because <laughs> like, we don't really want to make stories so preachy that they're just going to see right through it, okay? Because then their brain's going to be like, hold up there's a lesson here and you're trying to make me learn something, right? So a lot of times it's better just to leave the story as is, or you can ask questions too, but just don't tell them the answers. All right, the next um, thing about our brain that helps us capture attention is vision uh, and visualizing, okay? So when the kids can picture what they're learning in their minds, they're going to remember it better because they can see it on the screen of their mind. And that really activates their mind. So all of these things do. So, so far we've got connections, stories, and visualizing our vision, okay? Um, 
So most kids, this is one reason why it's really great to do read alouds um, is because as kids are listening to the story, they're creating a, a visualization on the screen of their mind. And so they can start seeing it and then they're going to remember the story better too. So um, there are some people who literally cannot visualize. I don't know if they could ever learn to or not, but there is a very, very small percentage of people who cannot visualize. Um, but they actually can make it up in a different way. They have other ways that they can adapt to, with that skill. But for most of us, being able to have vision or visualize is a really good brain technique to have because what vision does is it helps us to see into the future and it helps us picture what's going to happen. It, it gives us hope that way. Now, um, in this world though, with so many visual things like YouTube and movies and all that, it's kind of hard because now we're being given all the visual stuff so much so that sometimes our brains get a little lazy and we don't know how to make it up ourselves anymore. So that's a really good skill to practice, but it also captures the attention too, because they can picture it. They're paying attention. Okay. Another thing too, is we want to help them see patterns because patterns are predictable. It helps us see into the future. I mean, it doesn't mean that we know everything that's going to happen, but it helps us feel more safe because we can see what's going to happen. And that's just like the pattern of the hero's journey. It helps us see that this journey is predictable. We don't know the details, but it's still going to work. So the visualization, um, it does capture their attention. Okay. Um, the next one is, because what we're trying to do is capture attention, right? Feelings capture attention. And you could call this maybe emotions or energy or something like that, you know, passion. Um when they can start getting these sparks in their minds where their their mind are starting to get activated and that captured their attention right so they're going to start feeling about things in a certain way and i think sometimes we we think that oh well the feelings are just going to come right but we can actually manage the feelings a lot more than we think and this would be kind of helping them learn how to manage their own energy, but we can help learn how to manage the energy of our homes and the emotions that are going on there. Um, and, you know, once they start their, their attention and their imagination starts getting captured, that's like they start, their minds start getting sparked up, right? That will cause feelings like excitement and having excitement is a great one because that just makes them want to keep learning, right? They want to keep doing it. Um, and then the, the last one is action. So, um, if you can move while you're learning, it actually helps connect those neural pathways. And I did talk about earlier that if we just had all these, um, different bins of knowledge in our storage units, they're not very useful because they're all just kind of dumped in there. There's no connections, right? So the way we connect in our brain is with neural pathways and, and we can connect it to something relevant. Or if you connected to some body movement, that will create a connection as well. So it makes that information easier to return, retrieve when you have that connection. So mm -hmm. if you are just sitting in a lecture and you're just supposed to be listening, 
you're probably not going to be getting as much out of that lecture as if you moved a little bit. So let's say you took notes. You're going to remember it better because you're moving your hand, right? Now with kids, that probably doesn't usually always work. Hey, I'm gonna lecture you for an hour and you take notes. Yeah, they're not gonna wanna do that. <laughs> so, you know, that's why like skip counting on the trampoline is good because they're gonna remember that because they're moving, stuff like that too. So the action can connect the learning. Now the, the um, I don't just mean moving while you're learning, which is good too, but really, if you apply what you're learning by taking action on it, that is going to really connect the learning too. So, um, you know, I always talk about acting on your calls to action. That's a great way to learn too, even if it's not part of your curriculum, right? But even just moving the class, doing hands-on stuff, that's great too, because you probably, I don't know if you've noticed this, right? When when I first started reading aloud to my kids, I just had my six-year-old at home. And um, when my four-year-old was at preschool, so I'd sit down and read aloud to him. And I don't know why I expected this, but I thought, oh, he should just be able to sit on the couch quietly and listen, you know, like we're at church or something. No. I mean, I quickly learned that it would be okay for him to be moving and building with Legos or coloring or something at the time, same time I'm reading to him because, you know, sometimes it would seem like he wasn't paying attention, but because he was moving with his hands, he was totally listening. And he, I would ask him questions. He knew exactly what was going on. So, you know, the movement thing definitely helps open up those neural pathways to make the connections too. So these are all... These are five different functions of your mind that can um, capture your kids' attention. It, it activates their mind. So those five things, I'll just go through them again. Um, the functions of your mind are storing and making connections and stories and visualizing um, emotions and energy and action movement okay so i say these are functions of our mind but it's really a whole body thing right <laughs> now some of these match different learning styles too you've probably heard you know auditory and hands-on learners kinesthetic is what it is i guess you know that sort of thing um but for me i would much rather try to hit on all of these to help see if one's going to catch the kid, then try to figure out one learning style for each kid and then focus on that for them. Now, I definitely have um, some kids that have more definite learning styles than ever or than others. But I think that just because we have a dominant learning style, we do have all those functions in our brain and we want to practice them all too so that they can all light up when we develop all of those things. Okay, so like, for example, my son, very auditory, just listened and listened and listened to um, books, audible books, that sort of thing all the time. But I found out that, you know, he really needs all the other things, too. So when we focus on trying to activate the mind and using all these different techniques, rather than 
trying to only do the one learning style, it can really just open up things. And sometimes we can kind of change too. Like I used to think I did not like listening to books on tape. That was back in the day when they're on tape. Um, but I found I actually really love listening now, but I kind of had to train myself to do that. So it's the same thing with our kids. Even though I have my own preferred learning mode, I could learn in other modes as well. So a big thing is that I love in homeschool is the fact that we can really individualize the education. And that's one thing I wanted to do when I first started homeschooling, but I didn't know how to. <laughs> so one question I get a lot is, okay, great. You're telling me how to capture my kids' attention, but how do I get them to do their schoolwork? How do I get them to do that workbook? How do I get them to do that curriculum? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Modern neuroscience tells us most of the methods that we are used to in learning and that the public schools mostly use, they really just don't capture attention. And so that's why they have to heavily rely on repetition. You know, and repetition is a valid learning method, but there is, it, it kind of just takes the spark out because there's no much, not much mind activating going on there, right? We're repeating, 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 it gets kind of boring. Um, and it just doesn't include all these, a lot of these other things that I was talking about. And so, yes, that is why we are so fortunate we can homeschool because sure, we can use repetition, but that doesn't have to be the only method. And if we do use repetition, we can make it more fun. <laughs> <laughs> so those those four things I guess it was five five things you know those are the things that we want to focus on more is we want to help our kids get the knowledge and make it more uh, relevant with connections we want to tell a lot more stories and make up good ones too or read stories we want to help them learn how to visualize but then also give them a vision of who they are and what the purpose are and why why they're learning and then we can also really pay attention to the energy in our learning in our home. You know, if they're starting to get bogged down, oh my gosh, they can take a break anytime, you know, and we can always incorporate more action application, hands-on stuff too. And it doesn't have to be complicated, messy projects every time either. Thank goodness, right? So I do have this neat chart that I made up and it lists, it's kind of a side-by-side -side comparison. It has, um, repetition methods versus more emotion-based methods to give you an idea of how to mix things up, okay? And it, like I said, it doesn't have to be complicated. I don't want you to look at it and go, oh my gosh, I have to do all those? No, I think a lot of it just starts with being more aware that we don't just have to hand them a, a workbook. I mean, if they like it and they have good feelings about it, that's great, you know? But if it's a battle every day, well, what are we really teaching them? So, um, the key is really just to not focus on making them learn, but rather helping them to feel good about themselves and what they're doing and help them build their, their confidence, right? And the other thing to remember about all this, okay, because I think sometimes we feel like, oh man, so much work to do all that feely stuff and create the environment. Um, but that's partly because we feel like we have to be an entertainer <laughs> and no, we reframe this to say, no, you do not have to be an entertainer. You don't have to make everything fun and you don't have to do a song and dance, you know, or a show. 
No, what we need to do instead is think you are the mind activator. And so the more we can pull those um, different elements in to help them activate their minds, the better. And they don't really have to take much time. It's just more awareness and shifting that way we are thinking about that. All right. So if you want that chart, the side-by-side chart, I wanted to put that on a blog post. And I'm sure I will at some point, but you know what? I'm just going to be real. We just started up a new homeschool collaborative this fall, and it's been crazy busy. (laughs) And I likely will not get to it for a few more weeks. So if you do want that handout, um, that chart, go ahead and just email me at molly at building heroes at home and request the capture attention chart. So. Welcome to the Building Heroes podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path 